so good to hear. And what a great reminder that none of us are just one thing. Right? We, we all have these multiple parts of ourselves. No one's just one thing and neither is Jesus. And that's why we've been looking for these weeks at the seven I am statements of Jesus. And we've already seen what Jesus is. He's the light. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the bread. He's the vine. He's the good shepherd. That Jesus is so many things to us. And I think he wants to tell us who he is so that he's not misunderstood. Because how many of you know, it is not good to be misunderstood. Like, how... Has anyone in this room ever been misunderstood by anyone? It is not a fun experience, right? You're, you're trying to say something and they receive it in like the completely wrong way. And you, you're trying to make yourself known and they're just not listening. And sometimes you're like, you're shouting in their face, you're not listening to me. Right? They're hearing you, but they're not understanding you. They're, they're judging your, your outward actions, but they're not quite kind of worried about your heart and why you did what you did. Or you say something and they completely misunderstand you. It is not fun to be misunderstood. And for all of you who didn't put up your hands, how do you do it? <laughs> how are you not misunderstood? Because I tell you what, I've, I've experienced this in so many relationships. And so I think Jesus, he's concerned about this. Why? Because he's in a relationship with us. This isn't a checklist or some kind of religion. It's a living relationship with a living God. And so Jesus is saying, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to misunderstand who I am. I'm going to tell you exactly who I am. I'm going to make it as clear as I can. And today he says a statement that I think out of all the I am statements, as we wrap up this series, I think it's the least quoted and the most misunderstood. In fact, in all my years, I've never heard a sermon on this I am statement of Jesus and he says this, I am the gate. I am the gate. Look at someone and say, Jesus is the gate. He is the gate. I think it's important we know and we understand what Jesus is saying here because you and I are going to discover that in this statement, there is beauty and there is power and there's something so significant about what Jesus says about being the gate. So let's discover together. We're going to find him, Jesus, saying this um, in the book of John, chapter 10. And he's giving an illustration of sorts. And so for us to understand what he's saying, we've got to read and understand the full illustration. And so we're going to get together in John, chapter 10, from the very first verse, from verse 1. And Jesus says this. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate, he's a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads him out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact... They will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved they will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief 
comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Hmm. Jesus shares a story that I think to the people of the day, they would have had a much greater understanding because this is the kind of lives they lived, right? They raised livestock and they raised sheep and they farmed and they, their whole livelihood was based in agriculture. And so I've said many times, sometimes the audience of the day gets us more than we get it. But hopefully today we can also understand what Jesus is saying because in this illustration, there's really three themes. And the first theme is about sheep and shepherds. Everyone say sheep and shepherds. Come, you don't have to be sheepy about it, right? You can. Okay, that was really bad. Sorry. Sheep and shepherds. And in this illustration of sheep and shepherds, what we learn is that you and I are the sheep. We're the sheep. Yeah, look at someone and say, hey, sheepy. Right? Hey, sheepy online. Uh, you are the sheep. Now, what's fascinating about Jesus calling us the sheep, guys, is this is a well-known fact about sheep in the animal kingdom. They don't really rank high on the intelligence ratio. Like, I mean, if I had to be, can I just not be politically correct and just say, sheep are stupid. Like, they're just dumb. They're dumb. They're so dumb that they're completely reliant for their well-being and livelihood on the shepherd. Like they're completely reliant on the shepherd for what they're going to eat and where they're going to go and how they're going to live. Their full well-being is dependent on the shepherd. They're dumb animals. Isn't God's word encouraging today? All the sheep. But there is something sheep are really good at. They are really good at identifying the voice of their shepherd. They can hear the voice of their shepherd amongst all the other voices. They can differentiate the voice of who their shepherd is. Sheep know the voice of their shepherd. They know the voice. And Jesus is saying this about the same sheep. He's saying that sheep know the voice. You see, in those days, when the shepherds were traveling to a city, like a big city area like Jerusalem, All the shepherds would come in for the day with their sheep. And what would they do with their sheep at night? Well, in the city, there was a central sheep pen. And all the shepherds could go and leave their sheep in that sheep pen for the night. And so there was one combined sheep pen for their entire city. And the the shepherds then could go and have a good night's sleep. The sheep, if they were struggling to sleep, they could just count each other. But, but who would the shepherds leave their sheep with while they would hire and employ a gatekeeper? Can everyone say gatekeeper? Jesus references this gatekeeper in verse 3. And so they would pay this gatekeeper, and the gatekeeper's job would be to make sure that no sheep got out during the night, that they were kept safe. Right, and then in the morning, the shepherds would come, and they would come and get their sheep. But you have to remember... All the shepherds put their sheep in the same pen. So how did the shepherds know which sheep were theirs? Because these sheep were not branded. They weren't spray painted with numbers. They didn't have collars on them. So you can imagine like, here's my sheep and, and Tanjua's sheep is there and Luzon's sheep is there and Faith's sheep is there. All our sheep is together. How do I get my sheep? Well, it turns out 
that sheep are good at knowing the voice of their shepherd. In order to get my sheep out of the sheep pen, I would just call for my sheep and it would only be my sheep that respond. It would only be my sheep that perk up and turn around and follow me out. Just my sheep. They would know my voice. Why? They would know the voice of the shepherd because they spent days with the shepherd in the fields while they were grazing. They heard the shepherd speak and sing and laugh. They, they heard the shepherd say, no, don't do that. And, and don't go there. It's dangerous. And get that out of your mouth. You don't know where it's been. Like they heard, they heard the shepherd all day long speak to the sheep. And so the sheep became familiar with the voice of the shepherd. And they were able to identify this voice from all the other voices. And Jesus says, we're like those sheep and his sheep know his voice. The sheep of the Lord know the voice of the Lord. He tells us this, he says in verse four, when he he has brought out all of his own from the sheep pen, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because They know his voice. And so let me ask you a question today, church. How well do you know the voice of the Lord? How well do you know his voice? Because as his sheep, we are familiar with the voice of the Lord. We know what it sounds like. We hear his voice so that we can follow him. And in a world that is just shouting voices at us all day long, Like the voice of the world is so loud and so messy and so noisy and so overbearing and we hardly have a second of silence in between everything we're doing. Do you know the voice of Jesus? Are you able to pick it up and follow it in amongst all the other voices you hear? How well do you know the voice of the Lord? Because Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, and I know this brings up a question that people have asked me in all my 18 years of ministry. One of the most common questions I get is, how do I know if it's God's voice? How do I know if it's God's voice or my voice or the devil's voice or just last night's curry? Like, how do I know what is it that's speaking to me right now? And to answer the question, I want to say this to you. How do you know the voice of people you love? How do you know just by hearing that it's your spouse or your kids or your best friend? How do you know? Like there are people in our lives that after a while we get to know their voice. We get to identify them by their voice. For example, when I go home and I walk into my house, I don't say, hello, Jacqueline. It's Ryan and Kelly entering now. No, all I have to say is, hey, babes. And she doesn't turn around and say, identify yourself. (laughs) Like, right? No, she knows my voice. She just goes, hey, babes. Like, we know each other's voice. Why? How did I get to learn her voice? How did she get to, to learn mine? Well, we spent a whole lot of time together. We are in relationship. How do you get to know the voice of the Lord? You spend time with him. And the more time you spend with the Lord, the more familiar you'll be with his voice. That's why it's so important that we get time in his word. We spend time in prayer and we spend time sometimes just listening, being quiet, not not rambling on about my needs and my wants, but sometimes just listening. Jesus, I want to learn your voice. 
I want to hear what it is you're saying to me. I want to feel your prompting and your leading. You are my shepherd. The sheep know the voice of the Lord and the reason they know it and it's distinct from all the other voices is because they have spent time with the shepherd and now the shepherd's voice is familiar to them. And if you want to know the voice of your Lord, spend time with him. Because if you don't, you'll be a lost little sheep that doesn't know where to go that doesn't know which voice to follow, that's confused about how to live. The sheep know his voice. And it's not just about knowing. I mean, that's part of it. It's also about following, right? I've got to know to follow. And so I would just say lovingly, I think some of the reason people don't know the voice of the Lord is that they haven't spent time with him. And and guys, can I just say, I think this is even more important now in our current climate, in the state of the world now. Like it's so important we know the voice of the Lord because we've we've just left something called the information age. The information age was this beautiful time in history where the information, the knowledge of the human race was digitized and, and uploaded to this thing called the internet. But before that, can I just say, I want to tell all you 20-year-olds and under what we used to do in the good old days, the olden days. If I wanted to know information on a certain topic, I would have to drive to a place called the library. And in the library, I would check out a book. Now, a book is something that has pages in with printed information. And there were these books called encyclopedias. It's an old historic word. It's like the the printed copy of Wikipedia. And I could look in the encyclopedia and I could look up different kinds of topics. Was difficult to get and most of the time, by the time I got to an encyclopedia, the information was old and outdated, but it worked for us. But then there came a time where they decided to digitize all this information and make it so available that I can find out anything now at the click of a button or at the request on a phone. And so from this information age, social scientists will tell us that we have now transitioned to a different age, the disinformation age. With all of this information out there, there has also been an influx of bad actors of people spreading false reports, of people trying to muddy the water, of fake websites, of false reporting, of biased news. And so what we have discovered is we don't know who to trust. We don't know what's truth. We don't know what conspiracies are actually genuine. And so we have entered this age with access to the world's knowledge and no clue how to how to decipher it, how to use it, what is true and what is false. And can I say, guys, this disinformation has crept into the church. The church itself is in a disinformation age. No matter where you go, no matter what platform you open, you, I, I, I can look on YouTube and, and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. Hey, I just joined TikTok this week, by the way. <laughs> 20-year-olds, I'm going to be cool like you, right? But, but even on TikTok, there is this influx of misinformation. 
right? People just with these weird theologies, they've twisted scripture. They've taken things out of context. They've tried to justify all sorts of behaviors and beliefs. And so even Christians, they're looking at all these things and they're like, what is the truth? What do I follow? Church, do you follow the voice of Jesus? He is your shepherd and the sheep know his voice. And the more we spend time with him, the more we're able to identify when we hear something, we're like, no, the voice of Jesus is not in that. That is not where God is leading me. That is not what his word says. I am familiar with his words. That's not what his word says. And so if you and I are going to survive in the disinformation age of the church, we have to get good at knowing the voice of our shepherd. Not knowing the voice of a teacher or an organization. You've got to be good at knowing the voice of Jesus alone. Jesus. Jesus says this. When he's speaking about these false teachers, he says in verse 5, but they will never follow a stranger. How do you know you're a true sheep of Jesus? Well, you're never going to follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus teaches us that those who are loyal to false teachers don't know the true shepherd. And so he says, "If if you were just hear me, then you will follow me. You, you will walk where I walk. And this is a beauty. We don't just get to hear him. We get to follow him, guys. Listen to this word in, in verse 4. It says, the sheep follow him. They know his voice. They've, they're following him. They understand that Jesus, he's going to lead me out of danger. He's going to lead me on the straight path towards green pastures besides Still waters, like I can trust the leading of Jesus. I can trust where he's taking my life. I can trust what he wants to do on the sheep. And that tells us something about us as sheep. We need to be led. Look at someone and say, you need a leader. All of us need to be led. And that leader is no person. It's Jesus. We need to be following Jesus, and we only follow people who follow Jesus, right? All of us need to be led, otherwise we're going to live lost and in danger. And so that's the first kind of theme of this text is these sheep and shepherds. And then there's a second part of this text, which talks about thieves and robbers. Many theologians assume that Jesus put this in after he visited South Africa. But (laughs) No, I'm kidding. That's just totally... That is false theology, right right there, right? But Jesus talks about these thieves and robbers in verse 1, in verse 8, in verse 10. And he says that they are a great threat to the sheep. Like he's warning the sheep about them. And in this context, he's warning the sheep against religious leaders who are only in for themselves. And they're using their sheep for their own benefit. And they're not helping the sheep. But it goes so much deeper than that because Jesus talks about how these thieves and robbers operate in our lives. And he says that instead of going through the gate, through the door, through the legitimate way, they try and climb the walls. They try and go over the walls. This is what he says in verse 1. 
Anyone who does not enter the sheep in by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. And again, Jesus was talking to the religious leaders of the day and he was saying, guys, there is only one way in. And the religious leaders were not teaching that one way. They were teaching that to get in. You could get in by being good, by obeying and following some man-made rules, by following a religious checklist, like you could earn your way in. And Jesus says, no, that's you trying to climb the wall. And if you try climbing, if you try get in any other way, you're a thief and a robber. The only way to get in is through me. It's not through your works. It's through mine, Jesus says. And then he calls all of those who claim to be the shepherd imposters in verse 8. says, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. All those who before Jesus claim to be the Messiah are the thieves and robbers. And we can safely assume all those who come after Jesus and claim to be the Messiah are the thieves and the robbers. They're the imposters. And here's what we know about these thieves and robbers. Their intention is to harm. The thieves and the robbers in our spiritual lives want to cause harm. It says in verse 10, a verse you might know very well, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. There's going to be thieves in our lives that come to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, we know that this over there, that is the job description of the enemy. You, know, you want to know what the devil's plan is for your life? To steal, kill, destroy. He hates you because God loves you. And so he's out to get you and destroy you. He, he's out to destroy your marriage, to kill your friendships, to ruin your mental health, to bring you down in your physical health. He, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Scripture says he's the greatest thief. He's the biggest destroyer. He's the number one killer. This is his job. We're told about this in many parts of Scripture. 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Scripture makes it clear that there is an enemy that's out for the sheep to steal from them, to destroy them, to kill them. Perhaps you have sensed this activity in your life. Well, let me remind you that the story doesn't end there because Jesus also tells us that he's come for a different reason. He hasn't come to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus has come to give you life and not just uh, life. He's come to give you life to its fullness. Some translations say life in abundance. And this is the good news that brings us to the I am statement of Jesus Christ. Because what Jesus promises us, you and me, he actually promises us protection against the enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy. Which brings us to the third theme of this text, which is the gatekeepers and the gate. Everyone say the gate and the gatekeeper. This is really the heart of what Jesus says. He declares twice in this text that he is the gate in verse 7 and verse 9. He says in verse 7, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. In verse 9 he says, 
I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. Everyone say saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. This first part talks about salvation. Jesus is making it clear that we know that he is not one of many gates. He is not a gate. He is the gate. And if you want to be saved, you have to go through Jesus. There is no one else and nothing else but Jesus. He is the gate. A gate speaks of an entry point. Gates give us access. It's an access point from one place to another. If you want to go from this world into eternity, you can only go through the gate. Who is Jesus? And there's another fallacy that's kind of crept up in Christian culture that it's okay to believe kind of that there's more than one gate. That there's many roads to God. That it doesn't matter what you believe. Like you can believe what you believe and it's okay. We all serve the same God in the end. But Jesus would tell us, no, I'm the gate. And if you want in, there is only one way. Like it's through me. And if you enter the gate through me, you get saved. And so there's this invitation to come through the gate. His name is Jesus Christ. And there is only one gate. But this gate doesn't just speak of salvation. It speaks of something else, which I find so beautiful. It speaks of protection. You know what the shepherds would do in the countryside? I told you earlier what they did in the big cities. But shepherds would also watch after sheep by themselves in the countryside, far, far, far from the cities. When a shepherd was on their own with the sheep, and it came time to rest, came nighttime, what the shepherds would have to do is they, they found big boulders and stones and branches and twigs, and they would make themselves a sheep pen. They would make themselves a wall, and they would leave a gap so that all the sheep could be let in, and then in the morning, let out. And in this gap, at night, that is where the shepherd would sleep. And the shepherd would become the gate. This is who Jesus says he is in our life. See, the shepherd would lay down his life, become the gate. Why? So that nothing evil, nothing dangerous could come in and snatch away the sheep. Any predators that were out there, like anything out in the bush, any, any wolves, anything that wanted to come to the sheep would have to go through the shepherd. And Jesus says to you and me, hey, I am your gate. You are spiritually protected. I will be your protection. I will be the one who casts off the activity of the enemy to steal and kill and destroy. And I know, church, this can get pretty confusing because you look at your life and you see theft. And you see destruction. And you see death and you're saying, Jesus, are you not protecting me? Are you not being a gate to my life? Like, why do I see this? Well, let me remind you the kind of life Jesus was talking about. Because church, he is the gate. And he does protect you. You see, in the Greek, there's two words for life. And for those of you who are Greek, forgive my pronunciation, I am not Greek. The one word for life is bios, I think. Say bios for me. The other is zoe. Everyone say zoe. And so in the Greek, you have to kind of figure out like which one is Jesus talking about. Bios life is biological life. It's your physical life. It's your living and breathing, the life you have here. But Zoe life is spiritual life, eternal life. 
In, in John 10, 10, where Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life. He's saying, I have come that you may have Zoe, that you may have spiritual life and spiritual life in abundance. I want to remind you, the devil can touch what he wants in your bios, but he cannot touch your Zoe. Amen. He cannot. He can try, come, and he can try to steal and kill and destroy, but there's something he cannot ever get to, and it drives him mad, and that is your spirit. And that means in the middle, because Jesus is your gate protecting your spirit from anything the devil can do, man. It means that in the middle of your theft, you can have joy. In the middle of destruction, you can have peace. When things around you are dying, you can experience love because your spirit has been kept safe by the gatekeeper who lies. He lays his life down for you and me. And the devil cannot touch you, really. Man, he can play around with his life and he can try and mess up things in this life and, and make it so hard. That, But I want to remind you, Jesus has saved you. And he's called you out of the sheep and he's saying, I will be the one to protect you. Your spirit is mine and I am the gate. I'm the gate. What a beautiful image of a God who protects us, who calls us his own. And I want to remind you, no matter what you're going through today, in the middle of what you're going through, I promise you, in your spiritual life, you can still have joy. In your spiritual life, you can still experience a peace that doesn't make sense. In your spiritual life, you can still experience God's wisdom, even when you're confused. You can still experience His love while you're being rejected. And that's because Jesus is the gate and what what he's given you as your inheritance, the enemy cannot steal. He cannot take away. He cannot come and destroy it. See, here's what I want to remind you lovingly from the text today. Is will you get close to your shepherd? Because the closer you are to him, your security goes up. Like the closer you are to him, your safety goes up. And the more you spend time with him, the more familiar you get with the voice of this good shepherd who wants to lead you to green pastures. Like he wants to lead your life. If you want happiness in this life, it's found in the shepherd. Get close to the shepherd. Let him lead you. Perhaps there can be a cry of our hearts today to say, Jesus, I want to know your voice more. I want to follow you more. I want to live in you, and I want to trust in your safety. I want to trust in your salvation, the protection you've given me. And guys, yes, there's going to be false teachers all around. There's, there's going to be distractions all around. There's going to be many voices all around us. But if you and I can learn to know the voice of Jesus, we follow him and he becomes our gate. Jesus is the gate. Can we give him thanks for that this morning? Can we pray together? Lord, I want to just lift your sheep to you. I don't know their names, God, but you do. You call them by name. Jesus, I want to pray that as your sheep, we would not be lost. God, that we would not follow all these voices around us. There's so many voices, God. So many distractions, so many things telling us 
who we should be and what we should do and how we should live. But Jesus, we want to follow you alone. You're the shepherd, Lord. Jesus, I pray that we would get so good at hearing your voice and following it. And perhaps that's a prayer you want to pray wherever you are right now. Just saying, Jesus, help me. Help me learn to know your voice. Help me get familiar with your voice. Jesus, maybe you want to even make a commitment. Say, Jesus, I want to spend more time so that I can know your voice more. I'm going to spend time with you. Perhaps you want to rededicate your life just to daily quiet time or daily prayer. Perhaps you want to say, Jesus, I'm going to do this. I want to spend time with you every day. I'm going to listen to your voice. I want to know your voice because I am your sheep and your sheep know your voice. Maybe you have felt like the devil's been having a field day in your life. And you look around and you see theft and destruction and disease and death. Maybe you say, Jesus, where are you? I want to remind you today. He's laid down his life for you. He's the gate. And spiritually, nothing can touch you. Nothing can rob you. Nothing can steal from you. In his presence, there is still fullness of joy. He supplies everything you need. In his presence, he makes you a conqueror. In fact, more than a conqueror. In his presence, he sets you above and not beneath. In his presence, he gives you the strength to overcome and calls you an overcomer. In his presence, he gives you victory. That is who you are because he is the gate who protects you. And so maybe right now, you just want to thank Jesus for his protection for all that spiritual protection He's offered you, for that abundant life He's given you, will you just thank Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being the gate, for holding off the evil, for protecting me from this enemy who wants to come and mess up this physical life and spiritual life. Thank you, He cannot touch my spiritual life. I also want to talk to those of you in the room while every eyes closed. Perhaps you've never gone through the gate and you realize now there's only one way in, and it's through Jesus. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, like you've never become a Christian. And today you're saying, Jesus, I want to go through the gate. I want to come through you. I want to be saved. I understand that you bring salvation. And you can save my soul so that in eternity, it's with you in heaven, living with you as a shepherd. If you've never prayed that and you want to pray that prayer, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to pray with you. All I'm going to ask you to do is put up your hand and put it down just so I know who I'm praying with. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love that God is bringing people in through the gate. We're going to pray with them now. And because we're a family, they're about to join our family. I don't want them to be alone. We're going to pray together. I want you to pray with me. Can you pray these words? Dear God, thank you for being a good shepherd. And for calling me today, I hear your voice and I'm following you. Jesus, you are the way. You are the gate. You are the son of God. I believe in you, that you lived and died and rose again. So today, I give my life back to you. And I'm sorry for everything I did that wasn't of you. But I'm thankful that today I can be fully forgiven 
My sins are washed away. I'm made new. And I'm adopted into your family. Jesus, I want to do life with you. Every day, from today and into eternity, my new life begins now. And I pray that by faith, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Can we just celebrate those who made that call? You found Jesus as a gate. Well done. Well done, guys. And